me, Oeshi, and I'm sitting here with Alessandro, Eva, and Sava. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. So maybe you would like to introduce yourself a little bit. For the listeners here, uh, it's a family that I'm talking with. So Sava, Eva, and uh, Alessandro is a polyamorous family. And Sava is our special guest. She's the youngest at the table. Hello, I'm Savannah Mira Periti. I'm eight years old and I'm really interested in, po- in polyamory. Okay, <laughs> I am uh, Alessandro. I'm 36. I am from Italy, but I live in Poland since 10 years, where uh, in Poland I met my partner Eva. And we are exploring polyamory together since some years, and we are both bisexual. And that's it for now, because the rest, I guess, later there will be more <laughs> introduction about how. What, how does this work? Uh, I'm Eva, I'm from Poland. We are the same age with Alessandro. We met as a monogamous couple and during our relationship we discovered that we are bisexual and we are polyamorous. So if you are already at the topic, what is polyamory and what kind of uh, structure you are following because we already talked about it, that there are different kind of shapes, let's say. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this shape. <laughs> okay. Polyamory is, um, uh, according to some people, a lifestyle, according to some other of which uh, is a position that me and my partner defend. Polyamory can be an identity or an orientation. And it is, let's say, lifestyle or orientation where you love more than one person. According to some, actually, everybody is polyamorous because everybody can fall in love for more than one person, but just some people decide to express it in life with one person. This is a questionable point of view and is a big source of debate. There are many ways to explore this and express this. The important aspect of polyamory, differently than uh, other forms of openness, starting from cheating to, that is a form of openness, uh, to swinging or other forms, is that polyamory is both consensual, both involves emotion and it is uh, affectionate. Polyamory also includes certain forms of exchange of um, engagement yeah. engagement that, that's, involvement. that's involvement engagement there are multiple forms for example there are the so-called uh, solo poly that are individuals that do not uh, escalate one or another relationship but they have parallel relationship of which none of them is primary and uh, they maintain their own uh, individual space, like they have their own flat, they have no rhythm, but they engage in those relationships. Uh, there is a polyamory where there is a primary relationship and uh, so-called secondary relationship, the relationships also where the primary is the core solid structure. And the other are like more uh, additive relationships, but not, but where, but where still there is a emotional involvement. And there is, for example, the polyamorous form that me and my partner, as a family, we evolve and invest our heart in, that is uh, the so-called kitchen table polyamory, that is a funny name, that describes the kind of polyamorous people, or the people uh, that decide to express polyamory uh, in a way where um, there is a desire to uh, escalate relationship with the other partners, so when sharing helping each other, uh, doing holidays together, and uh, in some cases, even living together becomes the objective, uh, the uh, important part of the relationship. Uh, so-called kitchen table, because those polyamorous relationships usually meet at the uh, dining the table, table, and they spend those kind of uh, cozy family moments together. Uh, I think that's more or less this expression. One, one more thing I would add... Uh, one more, let's say, division also, I would add to what you just said, that there are open and closed polyamorous relationships. So that, for example, uh, I guess you haven't mentioned yet about that. Yes, open and closed. So that um, the polycule, so-called, instead of couple, there's couple and polycule, yes? So when there are more than two people, there's polycule, decides to be closed and not meet others farther. So, I don't know, three people, four people, but it's closed. So there is the so-called polyfidelity, or there is an open one that actually there is no limit in uh, in partners and that can be open on both both or all all the sides depending also how it is arranged. And one last note, maybe I would like to add about structure is that we listed some examples, but one big important part of polyamory is that what gets deconstructed is the idea of the standard escalator, so that there is just one stable form and that we just can meet a person and give for obvious what's going to be next. In polyamory, it's very important to check in 
with everybody update. what are the needs update what are the objectives how do uh, everybody sees their relationship and how the, each and every side uh, feels in the in the relationship how everybody feels in that moment so it collapses the idea of doing uh, of doing relationship for a duty and uh, remains a dialogue where relationship is built for the well-being of everybody so it sounds like constant training in communication mm-hmm. i think that uh, even in monogamous couple <laughs> if there is not a constant communication uh, there is the so-called escalate the automatic escalator that brings to a lot of misunderstanding and uh, troubles in the usually tend to grow in the years of the couple so actually what what poly, what the poly relationship do is eventually just put a spotlight on the fact that we shouldn't give relationships for obvious and that we should always check in with our partner are you fine with how this relationship is going how do you imagine it is it is it fine with me how this is going where does this go how do we communicate affection to each other is it still actual to how we transform during the years and so on i also need to add a very very crucial part of of uh, those kind of structures uh, ethicality uh, it is so called multiamory is so called ethical non monogamy that's how is it called and the most important is the consent of all the parties of all the people and just then we can talk about polyamory that everybody agrees and that it is ethical that there is no so called cheating some you can also cheat in a polyamorous relationship if you don't say if you are not honest if you are for example closed polycule and you cheat with somebody else that you set up you don't do uh, yeah ethicality is important Very so much. to or, or to describe it in short uh, if one person wife or husband doesn't know that the other is being active polyamorous it's not a polyamory it's, it's, it's cheating, cheating. <laughs> so, exactly yeah. cheating with some further steps so consent <laughs> Consent is crucial, is the base here. And the summer is also part of the family. Would you like to say something? Oh. <laughs> well, uh, like, I'm... how do you see it? Because you are part of the family, you see the people sharing time with your family. How do you feel about it? Well, um, I feel, I feel really, I don't know how to say. I feel a bit too little people because I really like to be with with a lot of people and especially people with kids because I like to play with kids. Also, it's also could be very nice for you to have new friends time to time to spend time. Yes, I'm an ambivert. That that means that I'm sometimes uh, have that I sometimes have to have some alone time, and sometimes I'm super mega 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 talkative. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as you said, and I think that you two are together since ten years. Yes. And we both say that during the meantime, you came out as bisexual and then later came out as polyamorous. So how was this change or how was this uh, coming out? Because I think it might be sometimes a bit difficult when you are already in a relationship and maybe you just feel that something is getting a bit difficult and maybe it's difficult to get to the point that, oh, there is actually no problem here. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, I maybe have something else that I would like to share. And... Well, maybe I will... From my side, I will start. Uh, well, it's not so. Uh, like in our case, it kind of, I guess, started all together. I believe. Um, yeah, I simply never had a problem in admitting that. I simply found it very easy to find it. Okay, it's my identity. We, anyways, uh, both of us were familiar with the with the LGBT community. Alessandro. Uh, worked for plenty of years as a volunteer for uh, for LGBT community. I had also lots of friends and uh, for me it was like just just a thought basically to to do that, to admit that and to, to, to obviously the growth later of really starting to live it and stuff it was another thing, yes. So in, internally it wasn't a problem for, for me. Mm, later to realize it and to make it a part and in which form and how it is the best obviously it took some years mm, and now it is much fo- much more formed so the, the whole process of from admitting to yourself to outing it and living it 
took some years and mm, lots of experiments and uh, living different forms, discussing, eating, trying, but also on the ground, always of polyamory, because we did decide that we want to do it together, we want to explore together, that actually this is the form that we want, because we are very close as people. So uh, polyamory came as something rather natural, and uh, we, we tried to date separate, but it was not so much satisfactory. It wasn't that form that fit, fit us. And what were the, the obstacles, let's say, what were the obstacles uh, of like, in play, implying this change? Like for the, in the practice, when you realize that let's explore polyamory and let's explore also bisexuality. And you said that there was a lot of time passing to figure out what form it would be. So I would try, if it's okay for you, I will also try to uh, to make comparative of what were our difficulties. Sure. If, if you Absolutely. believe that I'm not exactly pinpointing the right point, you can always direct <laughs> better. Sure. Uh, for for how I felt and how I feel, me and Hava had a similar purpose, but different challenges. Uh, we started exploring uh, non-monogamy in different forms before, but because something was telling us that monogamy is like we were very happy together we've always been loving each other caring it for each other we've been fighting for each yeah, other yeah actually i can agree with you and add that i now realize after years that i've been always polyamorous but i was refusing it so what happened is that that exploration didn't deliver what we were searching for and we couldn't really fully grab what is this until one day for me it was uh, it happened that I, I fell in love and for a couple that fell in love for us coincidentally without none of us having any of those names polyamory wasn't exactly even a word that we were using at home and it just felt like this it just was like this and this was intense this was burning like lava but it ended up in a disaster because none of us was ready uh, none of us was ready for those emotions, none of us was ready to understand how to handle it, how to navigate it. And there I faced a very discomforting uh, emotion. The fact that a part of me felt that as soon as they go, that part of me vanishes. And I was like, why? And I felt that a big part of me that just emerged was going to vanish. This was for me a very, very difficult thing to deal with. Until sometime later I understood this, this thing that was for me very important that uh, poly is eventually for some people an identity or a sexual orientation. So it is something that is not a lifestyle, it's not if you meet the right people, it's something you are. As soon as I managed to admit and accept that, I felt fine and balanced with, with what I was searching. Now, I'm, that basically means that we are polyamorous also when we are just me and Evan, we are not dating anyone. We are still poly, but we are maybe fine for that period expressing it just between each other. Yeah, and we have this double identity where B and poly at yes. the same time. Because bisexual people has have this, this difficulty press pressure from outside, whether from monogamous uh, part of society, whether from LGBT community that we kind of should decide or uh, that, that there is a certain obvious... It is obvious for many people that we should or choose to be with a man or choose to be with a woman. Polyamory is a way to express bisexuality at the same time. It is also a form that many bisexual people choose as to not to have the dilemma and not to be pressed by anybody. To, to, so, so, so girls or boys? No. So going back to, the, to the, the challenges, it was very important for me to understand if I'm happy with my partner, why do I feel something lacking? And then I understood that what was lacking was another part of me that wasn't being answered to. And uh, once I gave a name to this, even when it's not answered, but there are reasons or a choice, it feels fine because I somehow am very horizontally integrated. The challenge of Eva was different. If mine was understanding it as an identity, the challenge of Eva was, because for her it was easier to say, okay, that's who I am, but it was much more difficult to say, I am ready to leave it outside. Yes, indeed. To be public, to not feel ashamed or criticized. So rather, for me, as a concept, more abstract, it was easy, but living it, expressing it in real life was a challenge. I think it's very 
interesting or I don't know because obviously I don't have like a first hand experience with this but I find it very interesting how people who are coming out later on find lots of answers also according to their past like oh, okay so I did this because I already was feeling like this I just didn't really recognize it that maybe my feelings were like this and uh, I always find it very interesting and very liberating for people coming out because it's not just recognizing the identity but also getting answers for lots of things that maybe happened before that moment you just didn't realize yeah. that oh yeah. so this is why it happened yeah it makes sense I can... it's a key that unlocked plenty of past events and my own feelings and uh, I, I till now reread my past through this key now there is, for example, about maybe not the challenges that we were facing, but challenges that we undirectly faced. So the challenges that people that were connecting to us faced. That is exactly about shame and fear of living under the sunlight. Say. We, we are parents. So it ends up that we sometimes, we most of the time end up dating other parents because they understand the same problematics and the same qualities and the same joys that you understand being a parent. So it's easy to uh, interconnect, uh, to connect, uh, to connect. And uh, something that, that brought many people to panic is when the, their child, for example, started drawing us in the drawing of Regina, <coughs> who is my family. And then they started drawing multiple people. And uh, this can cause a lot of fear. And uh, I'm sorry and sad that we left some people in our past because of this fear, that they couldn't cope with dealing with it and uh, they kind of imploded in their own uh, fear and that was a very sad time to say goodbye in a very sad way. So there is a difficult and the difficult is always as it is for gay people, as it is for any, any person that wants to live in a non-normative way, it's uh, public, sh- uh, public shaming and the fear of public shaming. Yeah, the non-acceptance and we are in the same situation, I mean we are, we are part of the queer theory and, and queer community which are tr- we are trying still to find our place in because polyamory is not everywhere seen as uh, like we are not included yet so so well yet there are still it's still like at the beginning of everything but we do feel the part of the movement and we do uh, share the principles because we are a minority it looks like right now that we are a minority and the problems in the relationships, even if the relations, uh, even if there are feelings, if there are, there is a will to be together, later we bump on the same things as a gay or a lesbian bumps on. How will I tell it to my mom? Will I? Will they accept? And obviously, if somebody is very bound to the family, to the group of belonging, previous previous group of belonging, yeah, then uh, they might simply resign from this new kind of life and and even if they have this wish desire love they will have to according to them resign from it because mom dad or the, the family will simply never understand and agree for that and if you are talking about family i wasn't so surprised when you said that you're going to bring your daughter because when we were talking before the podcast, it was clear for me that probably your daughter also know this because you are living together. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not uh, it's not so difficult to figure out, I guess. But then uh, when you said that, oh yes, she also has an opinion about it. And so I was a bit surprised because I think for kids sometimes these things can be a bit difficult to understand or a bit difficult to process. So what is the secret of having a well balanced family life? including your kid and including the other couple's kids as well, so including everybody. And to have this kind of balance that everybody is sharing and everybody is in the same, getting the same level of attention. How to work as a family, if you are fully <laughs> How to work? <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I spoke as last than you, maybe. Okay, and you also have something to say about it. So, uh, I will start. Is it okay? I don't remember the question. How to be a family in a, oh, as a poly family? To share time, to with, share the time. with the other adults, with the other kids. How does it feel? How does it work? Do you want to share something about it maybe now? Getting attention. Yes. 
it just we're just trying to explain something that is very obvious and just make it even more complicated when it's not so complicated. <laughs> it's all the adults world that is more complex and more complicated. Really kids take it all much more like much more easy and natural. And uh, going back to your question because your question was about managing uh, the family life, family life and, and time and attention. So, because the, the, we kind of with the answer we went a bit our own <laughs> road. Well, it, it also really depends and goes back to the point which kind of polyamory is, uh, which kind of structure is being formed. And in our case, as kitchen table poly, there is a lot of sharing of time and affection is exponential. Is exponential, yeah. So. Affection doesn't get divided, attention doesn't get divided because me and my partner don't date separately, we don't have separate relationships that will disperse our focus from the family, but actually it's an inclusive system. So, so people... there are more people that, to take care of the group. About affection itself, something that many people and psychologists uh, observe about the concept of polyamory is that love is actually a multiplicative resource. So the mm-hmm. more people you are able the more people you train to feel affection for the more able you are to feel affection and to acknowledge and receive affection so you just become more skilled at it like many things in the brain uh, the, the more you practice them it's like great gratitude the more you practice gratitude the more grateful you can be so the more you train yourself to feel affection and receive and welcome affection the more you're able to what is not multiplicative is time. Uh, that's why we, uh, me and my partner, are uh, kitchen table, so that we focus on a limited amount of relationship that can exchange quality time. So time management more becomes about meeting together, cooking together, organizing picnics together, spending time together. So it's actually, I would rather say that time gets more, uh, somehow, actually better handled. There is one obstacle when we are working in three, we don't always, except maybe here in the old center of Krakow, uh, we don't manage really to, to hold our hands or, or arms all together because the pavements are too short. So you we usually please. can walk just two and one, if I don't know, in front or something, and later we exchange. But when there is space, we can hold hands all together and we take a bit more space. So, so the cities, this is for sure like how to share this attention and, and affection so, yes, in public spaces, it's a bit, <laughs> it starts being more tricky. Actually, there is very often a discussion, and uh, I hear about it very often, speaking with other parents and speaking and uh, reading around uh, the, the so called uh, atomic family. That sounds like a superhero movie, but it's actually <laughs> uh, about the fact that families now are very lonely two partners, kids, and grandparents living far away, friends with a certain distance. The so called atomic family is creating and bringing a lot of problems for many couples don't really manage to fit in their schedule, in their time, in their week, all the things they would like to. And very often, time for affection or meaningful contact with the family members is one of the things that falls. Polyamory actually goes answer, it goes, brings an answer to this because you have this exchange of help, you have and this also exchange the tasks, of time. tasks get divided, so we don't get as tired doing, for example, chores, uh, everyday chores, and we do it together and later we spend time together so it gets divided bad things that we have to do and later we share those good things for example one 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 of the most common question is oh what do you do in the evening no but actually the best question is how do you arrive to the how do you reach the evening and and the, the fact is that uh, uh, one of the most beautiful part of uh, that I remember always fondly about polyamory is the, uh, the, the let's say the pre uh, the, not, not is is the is this let's say dance that happens a bit at home when somebody is doing uh, is giving bath to the kids somebody is preparing the dinner and then later everybody's dining together and later there are two people we, reading we all, stories to the kids and, and we somebody all, uh, hug our kids to make them fall asleep or just two or something and and uh, somebody's reading the stories somebody is, uh, is uh, finishing the finalizing the kitchen and later nobody is really tired at the end of the evening and there is this very strong sense of coziness and and uh, and that nobody got exhausted and everybody felt helped so this is a very fulfilling uh, feeling it's very uniting something that goes back i believe to the feeling of tribe 
Yes. And uh, of a supportive tribe, something but that... But those tribes that were like the uh, hunters-gatherers, but the, 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 yeah. those kind of tribes we intend, where, there, where, there, where the equality uh, was very important, where people were rather sharing than creating the structure of the pyramid. So this, this kind of very instinctual feeling of pride, <laughs> nothing in common with the modern branding use of tribe when they like... Uh, there is a name of a mobile and they're like, find your tribe or no, things like that. No, it's about this. being inclusive and trying to divide attention and uh, everything more like equally. Even if there is a basic couple like we, we when, when we invite somebody to, to share uh, with us the, the polyamory, we do want to, and naturally it comes to us, to distribute and to include so that everybody feels more or less on the same level. Now our girlfriend is, for example, having some difficult week this week and we are there to help and she feels less alone and last time we were having some 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 moment where we needed some some moral support and we knew who to rely on and she came and, and she was there to hug us and so there is actually a lot of improvement in time management <laughs> yeah okay now we're going to go on a short break we're going to listen to music from a french musician his name is Alas. Uh, if you like the music, you can check it out uh, in the subscription. So, talk to you soon.
I think it would be very interesting to talk about jealousy because when people are thinking about polyamory and these kind of relationships, I think that's the first thing that they are coming into people's mind that what are you going to do with the jealousy? So is there a jealousy? And if there is, then how to cope with that? So you start with jealousy and I talk about comparison. Is it okay? Yes. What is comparison? Uh, you will see in a minute. <laughs> So, jealousy obviously is possible <laughs> in any kind of relationship, especially if somebody breaks the deals. And like in my case, if I feel insecure or if there's any kind of problem uh, of, of any kind of, you know, in, in the couple, uh, family structure, maybe some vulnerable moment, or maybe if there's a problem with value, of individual value that we have to deal with, can appear jealousy because we, with ourselves, feel, feel insecure. In a moment when this does not happen and we have our setting, we have our deals, since we also share the time and share the relationship, I personally do not really find jealousy in myself because it's fair, it's dealt, it's open, but rather I do feel compassion. And then I give the... Okay. voice to Alessandro. Compersion is actually a very particular emotion or feeling. I will define, I will call it the anti-jealousy or the opposite of jealousy. It is difficult to explain if it wasn't experienced before because it's, once you experience compersion you kind of realize that you are kind of colorblind all the life and you had no idea that there is a one missing is like somebody came and told you that there is a new color you haven't seen and it's called i don't know giovanni and you have never <laughs> seen color giovanni and then you're like what are you talking about and then they show you a painting with color giovanni and your mind blown and like, what is this <laughs> so there is a new emotion actually there's a new emotion and then it's so-called compersion a compersion is when you feel happy and fulfilled that your partner is having a intimate a relationship. relationship with somebody Others. else and is being fulfilled by that, 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 by that experience. Both that you're present, both that in that moment you're not present, you generally feel the feeling of fulfillment and it's it feels liberatory. As I say, it's an anti-jealousy. Jealousy makes us a bit paranoid, makes us want to control what's happening, who's you writing to, or this kind of stuff that, that I'm very glad that are not part of my daily thought process. Because it's very poisoning. The more we are distrusting, the least we open for vulnerability. And when we don't open for vulnerability, uh, we don't open for real emotion to our partner. Being in a defensive or uh, constantly judging or scared doesn't let us be vulnerable. And uh, compassion makes us vulnerable because it's a joyful emotion full of trust. Trust is emotion that leaves us vulnerable. And in this vulnerability, there is a lot of space for love. There is a lot of space for, uh, for being happy that your partner is happy. Going back maybe to the original question of jealousy itself and not anti-jealousy, it is possible to be jealous in even in a polyamory, yes, because uh, even though there are some people that predicate the idea of love anarchy, so where everybody is its own self and other people can't decide about their other relationship, we don't feel comfortable with that structure. So uh, if, for example, there is somebody shady that is trying to play a division game, Play, Jealousy emerges, but rather emerges an alert rather than mm -hmm. as a judgment or an attack. Like, Eva, this person triggers in me a jealousy, a feeling of distrust. We need to talk about this person. Maybe this person is trying to play some game and my emotions are telling. But it's very often from outside. Yes, it's more like jealousy becomes rather an alert. Something is wrong and that person that tries to enter is most probably not playing fair and not wanting to play uh, according to our rules. Because actually, this is the most important. Our deals and rules are the most important and somebody wants to enter uh, in any kind of emotional or intimate relationship with us will we'll have to respect those deals. I mean, if somebody tries to... The deals can also change if there's... Yeah, there's uh, space for mediation. There is a space of mediation, but then it has to be open. If something is like under the table or try, somebody tries to divide or maybe, I don't know, put more attention on one of the sides and the other side feels a bit less scared. Uh, but usually it is with new people, rather. Here, for example, I, I might, if it's okay, so, to, to intersect a side topic. Uh, why many, many people rather not don't not date a polyamorous person, but they would rather go for a cheating situation. 
uh, is because, uh, and, and that also answered to why some people might try to enter and play division games that trigger jealousy as a defense, uh, as an alert emotion, is because it's easy to find people that have problem with their self-worth or self-esteem, and uh, it's, uh, I believe they find a certain fulfillment knowing that a f- um, certain marriage is fragile and that they're entering and that they're being better than somebody else. There is no space for that in polyamory. In polyamory, you, nobody plays the game of I'm better than, I'm better than, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm taking this away from you, I'm taking that away from you. Polyamory is about cooperating, it's about building together, it's about doing together, it's about being happy together. Jealousy becomes an alert, Very- alert that something is not playing correctly. Very interesting thing is, for example, when people, women, men, get to know that we are, or one of us is open, we are polyamorous, they get kind of demotivated because they kind of hoped for a hidden cheating that this would pump their ego and they later don't want to actually be a part of of uh, consensual, uh, ethical uh, uh, situation. Or I might correct, some people get even more interested, but they don't figure out how to, put, to, to fit it in their life because they will know how to fit yeah. the cheating. Exactly. They will, not how to, they will not know how to explore that because they will have to, they will have to deal open. with themselves and their own sense of value. And to the idea, I'm entering something that is already happy and functioning. Can I contribute positively? So it's not it, anymore a rivalry because very often in the cheating there is a rivalry and if you enter a polyamorous situation the the rivalry can't really work well because it will the structure will not hold. So let's say that competition, compersion and jealousy are and or rivalry, compersion and jealousy are three topics interconnected. That's mm-hmm. why maybe we made a bit of a circle yes, around them. Yes, they interconnect. Uh, of which compersion is kind of the anti-jealousy, the anti-rivalry. That's I guess I, I shared more or less what I wanted to say. <laughs> and uh, I think it's also very interesting what you said about anti-jealousy concept that probably lots of people need lots of time and like self studying to accept that just because my partner is happy also with someone else, it doesn't mean that I'm failing the relationship. Mm-hmm. Because yes. I think there could be also this uh, sense of it that uh, I'm not happy that my partner is with someone else, or I'm happy, but it immediately means that I, I wasn't enough, or I wasn't uh, fulfilling she, she or he would like to. And probably it also needs some, some time and self-reflection to accept it in a positive way and not thinking about it. Because I think people are funny, everybody thinks immediately about failing. Like, if something is not working, probably it's because of me and because I'm failing. It's because of the culture, we are having problems letting go. And we gr- grab on the... Con- we are actually taught to be possessive about our things, about our relationship, about our feelings. And that everything is a pyramid structure. So or you are on the top or you are down. And there is no the idea of horizontally being of, happy of together. sharing, yeah. And that's why Polly is actually on this very liberatory, because it let, let you go that maybe, maybe I can be happy horizontally with yeah, others. Yeah, it's more sharing and contributing structure than any kind of pyramid, pyramid, pyramid uh, that there is somebody higher, more important, less important. Sava, what do you think about this when you have lots of kids, for example, around at the same time? Do you experience some kind of jealousy or bad feelings about it when you see that your mom and dad are also playing with some other kids? It's part of this polycule. Mm-hmm. Well, I no, I'm never jealous. I can easily go in the in, in the game. If it's uh, we can make turns, uh, we can make a lot of things together. I I always find a way to to play with others, with other kids, and I I am not really really jealous. I practically never am jealous. I think. Um... It's also very interesting to see that you have rules and you have, like, let's say, deals about how the relationship is going. So in a sense, if someone from the outside would think that polyamory is very chaotic, actually it's, it's quite organized. Mm-hmm. So is there any boundaries or limit that you two are keeping that, okay, that's, it's out of the school, or everything is just a matter of talks and, and discussion? Can I go? Yeah. I will start with one thing, that the shift from mono to polyamory required a shift from a system of rules to a system of guidelines. That's at least the nomenclature we used mm-hmm. to understand our shift. 
So yes, we do have some guidelines we follow. We are not anarchists, a lot of anarchists. Uh, I, be I believe that most kind of poly relationship actually are based on dialogue and, 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 and evaluating boundaries that are moving and adapting with time and with because relationship and people transform in time so the boundaries change in time. Why I say ru rules? Because the like, mononormative mono standard escalator has a certain set of rules that once violated is the end. Like, oh I kissed a guy, it's the end, it's the end, it's unrecoverable, it's unrepairable. Years of therapy and never forgiveness in many cases. I mean I heard dramatic stories of of, of uh, couples entering in 10 years of crisis. In polyamory, you don't have such strict things. You don't have such a, let's say, pristine thing that is untouchable. You have a certain set of guidelines of what is ethical, what is non-ethical, what might hurt the other, what might not. But since there is a lot of space for exploration, you also know that those guidelines can't be fully rigid because you don't have control on everything. The recipe is not so tight. So you also have to start being, you have, you have to learn being Flexible. I would like to add something about the control thing. Yes, if, for example, in a mononormative couple, somebody falls in love with someone else, even platonically, and really does not cheat, neither kiss or nothing, it's sometimes the, it's end. Sometimes the end. It's normal that love appears. It's an emotion. We really don't. We, we, we can't kill it or hide it just like this. In, the, in our structure, we can even share, oh, I love or I fell in love with somebody else. But it does not mean that, uh, for example, this love can be expressed. But the feeling is there and I know that and I can love somebody platonically or be a friend with that person, still loving that person. But, for example, we don't choose to make a polycule, a relationship with this person. Um, he can love, I can love, and we do have people that we love as, as us, as separate. Because we love uh, our girlfriend together, but we also love some people separate, but we don't create relationships with them. There is a person I have a feeling of love for, but I know that for various conditions and things, nothing will ever be growing with this person. Yeah, same here. And, uh, yeah. and I understand, and uh, life, has, life goes on. Need to make and, choices. Uh, uh, people make choices, we make choices. Mm -hmm. uh, I love my partner profoundly, and I love our girlfriend. But going back to, to, to the boundaries, and the, and the <laughs> limits, and the rule sets. So one example is, uh, for example, if uh, there is somebody that, that as, as I made an example before, somebody tries to join the polycule and then one of us doesn't feel that it's right. Doesn't matter what's the intensity of the emotion, the dialogue has priority. So it becomes very important that even if one of us is very caught by this person, we have an agreement, the dialogue is fundamental, we sit and we discuss and we share. Why don't I feel right about this? Then together we decide at which speed to progress with this person, to evaluate, to see. So, as I say, while it's not like right, a set of strict rules, like if you violate this is the end, it's more, as a, it's more an agreement of evaluating together and progressing together. Uh, we have agreements that are mandatory, like none of us can have uh, experiences outside without the proper protection, but this is an, on the level of common sense. And also, we do not, without discussing first, go for any solo experiences, intimate experiences, before we actually set it up. It can happen that there is some romanticism or some kind of first step, but later, anyways, we need to update to say, okay, do we go for it, uh, how it is? So, we don't go, how to say it, full speed without before having some kind of talk agreement uh, and, and evaluating if it is good, healthy for couple, if it is what we want, both of us. So I vividly disadvise polyamory for people that don't like to speak with their partner a lot. <laughs> or, they have, or they have serious problems with communication. Because that's, that's absolutely impossible otherwise. Seriously, yes. And I, for example, we have a guideline with my partner. We date usually, to, we date together. But it happened that there was a person that I that I started liking and this person started liking me and, and we discussed, would it be fine if I explore this, this emotion? And there was an agreement of a yes. It was contextual. It was a modification of what was our uh, guideline set. But still, the things go until a certain point because then, then the person has should be introduced. Uh, we should meet somehow. So we know each other. Every couple and this other person need to know that there is consent. 
So every couple has its own guideline yeah. set. Depend and any any poly group has its own guideline. Some set. people actually decide to have this be in a couple like base couple, but they have agreement. We have such friends. They have agreement that each of them does whatever they want and they don't have to report to the other one. So that a girl or a guy, if there is a, a couple which is heterosexual, uh, they they can have dates and they can do whatever they want in in whatever time. So there are also such kind of settings and. Everybody is fine with it. It's basically a love anarchy with a primary relationship. Yes, included. something like that. Going back to what our guideline are is dialogue has to be there, agreement has to be there, and one important guideline that is particular is a, a bit of meta guideline. I am today a different person than I was yesterday. While more or less I'm coherent with who I was yesterday, I am still different. And in one year I will be different. And Eva is going to be different. And uh, our child is going to be different. And checking in on expectation of life, ideas of future, imagination of what we want from, from, from friendship, from love, from, from uh, building, it's important. So the main guideline is check in with your partner, check in with your family, check in with your other partner, confront, adapt, have your boundaries, but also acknowledge that being together means not having always rigid boundaries, but the more people, the more adaptability, the more dialogue, I guess, what I wanted to say. Well, some final thoughts. Is there any thoughts, or is there anything that you would like if other people would know about polyamory? like a misconception or like a thing that you wish that they would just know it. It's not just for the sex, informing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not just about that. Actually, it can really help many couples that have a problem. Because since polyamor is uh, at the base of it is uh, the concept that we really, as humans, have limits. And one person on one person, the expectations very often of monogamous, monogamous couples are so high that people don't manage to meet those expectations. They don't mean manage to, even if they want to and they love each other, very often they don't manage simply to, to satisfy the other partner's expectations of relationship, love and so on. Because the psychologically actually is often discussed that the pressure that mononormativity puts on an individual yes. partner is ominous. Uh, because this partner in in very ex uh, exclusive couples, for example, that tend to be very atomic, this partner has to be the whole world. It's and stressful to to be to, to to have to be always a superhero that performs well always. So for a couple, for example, are happy but they feel this pressure. Maybe so polyamory can be a form of that answer to to reducing the pressure of having to be everything uh, or this over expectation that the structure puts. Yeah, polyamory is also a a fantastic, beautiful ground of learning new things, how to, how to learn new ways of being, how to learn from others some emotional things, how to express, seeing, uh, like mirroring also. For example, the, the expression of uh, affection of uh, the third person, in our case, might be working better in communication than we learn how to communicate better too. So it kind of works really very organically that this learning, this mirroring, it contributes to our growth. So I hook on that. Something that I would like people to know is that you don't have to be perfect and your couple doesn't have to be pristine without defects and, and an ideal before you engage in a polyamory. So polyamory doesn't have to be an extra, doesn't have to be a somebody-defined activity for bourgeois that are bored because <laughs> they already have everything. And, but actually it's, uh, for, it can be in the percourse of a relationship, a grand growing experience. Where you grow all together. Yes. All the, all the participants grow in it, can potentially grow. Okay, so that, that was it. That would be our last thoughts. I would like to say a big thank you for my guest today. Thank you, too. Thank, thank you. you for inviting us. And uh, see you guys around the next episode. And don't forget that love and families are coming in different size, shapes and forms. And be nice. Bye. Bye. Bye.